This is Irish Illustrated Insider, Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. It's Monday, June 17th. A lot happening in Notre Dame, particularly on the recruiting front. Notre Dame verbal commitments in short order from Michael Carmody, Gabriel Rubio, Blake Fisher, Clarence Lewis previously, a cornerback that I like a lot. Uh, what are your thoughts on these guys? I mean, I, I was at the camp on Saturday, so I got to watch Rubio and Fisher actually work out. Carmody was there, sort of just observing. But, I mean, I would say of those three, Fisher is physically very, very impressive. Um, you know, Rubio has legitimate, I think it's listed at 6'5 or 6'4 Like, he's a solid 6'4. Right. <clears throat> what do you think his weight is? Because I've seen it 280, 290. And more when like I saw, 280. Yeah, when I saw the Definitely camp, I'm like, that's like not 290. And I, that's okay. I mean, I went and saw Riley Mills in person, and I think he lists himself about 280, and he is way thicker yeah. than Rubio yeah. is. Um, so, you know, and, and then Carmody, I think he's listed at 285, which I think also might be a bit of a bit of a stretch. Um, I think he's got a, some ground to travel in terms of strength and just sort of natural size, but he's athletic. I like, you know, offensive tackles who play basketball. That should sort yeah, of be the... Like, uh, Tosh a, Baker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what you want. I like offensive tackles that can play offensive tackle, too, because you bring in a lot of offensive tackles to the program, and when they get here, you find out their guards, and that's something that they've encountered quite a bit over the last four or five years, including guys that seem prototypical at tackle, like Elmer and Bars. It's just a hard position to be great at. Um, it's it's not that the guard value Quentin Nelson has changed should change guard value yeah. in everybody's mind, yeah. but of the guys they brought in recently, I mean it's Quinn Carroll for me, and that's it. So they needed along with Tosh Baker a Blake Fisher where he is a tackle, not a guy that maybe can play tackle. Yeah, and another thing about you know the difficulty of playing offensive tackle is that when you're when you're recruited at this level and you still have two years of high school, which is what Blake Fisher has. He's just a piece of clay, man. I mean, yeah, you know, he, yeah. you, know the, you can see there is a ton of ability there, and that's a take every time right off the, you know, right off the top. He's a top one hundred type offensive player, but he's got to grow into his body too, you know. So I mean, he doesn't have complete mastery of everything that he's going to have, but he's going to be really good. I, let, I mean, I thought Rubio, Rubio on film, um, you know, quick off the snap, uses his hands really well, really good in short space. Then when you see him in open space, he lumbers a little bit. But again, you know, a guy that's still kind of growing into his body, so I like him a lot. Michael Carmody was a guy that I did a film review on him when they lost Peter Skronsky. And I think that, you know, it might have been shaded a little bit because I really like Skronsky. I really thought that there was great upside with Skronsky, and I didn't like Carmody as much. I think Carmody's a really good prospect. I think there are, there are aspects of his game that he needs to get under control, but he's naturally aggressive with a natural motor, with size. That's a great starting point it's for an a, offensive lineman. His ranking is interesting to me because... I, I saw think, that you tweeted I mean, that, like, yeah. Notre Dame would tell you that Jimmy Christ was the best offensive tackle after Tosh Baker, or with Tosh I would agree. Baker. Right. But like the rank, like rivals and 24-7 both have Carmody much higher uh, than Chris and 24-7 in particular. I mean, they have Carmody essentially is a, a similar in stature nationally as Blake Fisher yeah, a year think, from now. I think that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, so it's I've, I'm just sort of curious to see where he develops. I'm always interested when guys, there's a, a difference of opinion uh, among ranking that, services because that, I mean, that, that's, people focus on like, well, one, one service has them as a four-star and one as a three-star. This is actually a bigger gap. Because um, it's more than 200 spots. Um, so I'm curious how that, that all shakes out. But, it, I mean, there's there's no getting around the fact that Notre Dame 
wanted Baker and Chris, mm-hmm. and they didn't get Chris, and then they really liked Skaransky, they didn't get Skaransky, and they took Carmody. They, I mean, they like all of them, but that was the order that they liked them in. Um, so I'm just sort of curious to see how Carmody develops – uh, not only this season as it relates to his ranking, but over the next four or five years as it relates to Chris and Skronsky. Hey, Clarence Lewis, that that all happened real quickly. It's like he visited and boom, he committed. And I don't think a lot of people knew, uh, you know, much about him, uh, including myself, until I, you know, did a study on him. And well, I compared it to this. It's he's like a value pick. He's like the North Carolina A and T fourth round draft pick that. Which happens to be um, the the quick uh, little whiteout from the Chicago Bears, but I I use that as an example. I mean, I think he's a real value pick. I think that in short space he needs to be a lot quicker. But on every level that that kid has ever played, and I watched some freshman high school tape, he is so physically superior to every other kid on the field. Uh, I like him, I, and I you know we have a question in segment two about Notre Dame's corners and and. I think everybody that's seen Clark Phillips III loves him because he's a great prospect, but they're, they're not going to get him. So Notre Dame has had to expand their horizons a little bit. But I don't care if a guy's a three-star, his rate of three-star, if he looks like he's going to be a four-star. And I, I, yeah, think, I think Clarence Lewis looks like that. Yeah, I mean, he's long and rangy, and he worked out here, so they like him. You know, at some point you just have to say, all right, coaching staff knows what they're looking at, if they can get their hands on him. And that was something, talking to somebody in the Goog, when I asked him, like, basically, what's up with DB recruiting? Like, it doesn't, doesn't Didn't look, fit with doesn't the rest look, of what they're doing. It doesn't look good. Um, and he's like, yeah, uh, we talk about this every damn day. And <laughs> we are not going to get into a situation where we're going to take a guy based on film or certainly based off a list. Um, they, we, want, we're, we know we're going to have to go down to sort of in the three-star group. We need to get them to campus to work them out. See if we can coach them. See if they have a legit forty time. They have some speed, and then we'll move forward from there. But um, I think Notre Dame knows that like they're they have just missed out on all their all basically all their top guys at DB this yeah. cycle. Um, Don't you think he he's you said he's long, and that was my same impression. He's listed five eleven and a half. Clarence he Lewis. looks he does look bigger than he that. looks bigger he, yeah. than that. He actually definitely. looks like you're watching Rutherford a little bit with his length yeah. out there. I. You know, maybe I'm maybe I'm off base here, but I think he could play safety too. I know I know that usually it's like a guy's a safety, can he play corner? But That's what I, I, I mean, said I think about this, Rutherford. I thought he could right. play safety. Right. I mean, too. I think this is a guy that could play back there too. I like his football instincts. Again, he's he's at at every age he's been in his life, he's been physically superior to everybody else his age on that field. Um, I like him, and we'll we'll talk about the other DBs that they're they're likely to get uh, when we move into segment two. Um, but I did want to talk about <clears throat> Irish Illustrated put out a story last week on Mike Elson. Actually, it was a, it was a couple of stories. Um, it was a story that I wanted to do because 15 years with Brian Kelly at three different stops. And he has been loyal. Now, that doesn't mean that he doesn't, you know, didn't want to be a defensive coordinator and was, was unaffected by the fact that he wasn't chosen to be a defensive coordinator. And he wants to be a head coach. There's no doubt about it. But I thought the angle with his family and his three daughters are 13, 11, and 9. They love Notre Dame. Two of them want to go, go to Notre Dame, and he loves the environment, and he puts family first in this situation. Now, again, <clears throat> had he been named a coordinator at a Power 5 school or gotten a head coaching job, he would have uprooted his family and moved. But he likes everything about Notre Dame. I thought the story turned out well, and it was pretty well received. And there's logic involved with what with his choices. It's As you said, you get named head coach somewhere, and you can't turn that down. 
you have to go against what you're what you kind right. of the roots you've planted. But if you don't get an amazing offer, he's doing the right thing, <laughs> staying mm-hmm. in a championship level program where he is making a huge difference. I mean, he's not he's he's not hurting his resume at all. He is not in line to be a guy that hurts his resume. No, he's recruiting better than they ever have at the position. It's ridiculous. I'm doing a story on Justin Adamalolo this year or today, and it's I keep looking about it's you know we say where will he play in 2019. He had a heck of a year, but he has an All-American, the best backup in the country, behind that All-American. And on the other side, he has an All-American and a really good backup. Yeah. So this is all brought in recently by Mike Elston. And that little stretch where Mike Elston was not the defensive line coach, it is not a coincidence that Notre Dame's defensive line and defense, not only because of that, suffered <laughs> greatly. But it is not a coincidence that the, th- the years you don't have Mike Elston there, they just didn't perform as well. Well, I thought, I mean, there are a couple of interesting things there. I think, you know, the loyalty is, is kind of a weird term to use, but I, I maybe maybe just more like he really likes working for his boss. Well, yeah, he you loves know? working but for Brian like Kelly. If, if Bowling Green had said, you're our guy right. last offseason, I think he probably would yeah. have left. It wouldn't have been like, I am out of here. I cannot wait to leave. It right. would be like, I, you know, I'm in tears walking out the goo. Um, but I, I think he's been a really good fit for Brian Kelly over the years. I, I think in some ways, maybe it's a weird comparison, but sort of like Martin Inglesby with Bray. Like he was with Bray forever, you know, but he played for him and then was sort of a sort of a, a support staff guy before he became his, consistent. his lead assistant. But was it just to a point where like I'm really happy where I am, um, and I'm in no hurry to leave. But when the right thing comes along, then I'll know, and then it will be time to go. And for him, it was Delaware. I don't, I don't think Mike Elston has, has sort of found that right thing yet. Um, and it, it's funny you said Bowling Green because I know it was just an example, but, but that would be that would remove the logic for me. I feel like when you put yourself at the when you are that successful and you can become a coordinator still and become a head coach, I feel like coaches often set their career back when they go to the worst yeah, mid- program. Mid American conference, in a conference can do it's that. Tough, now, man. Now, it's like the Connecticut move by Bob Diaco. Now they're totally different people, but when he moved, we thought, "No, oh, that's it. Bob Diaco will not succeed at Connecticut, and then your star goes down." Yeah, it's, I think the Mac is different in the sense of like everyone's sort of the, in the same boat that's true uh, yeah. you know it's like it's basically a, there's survi- a lot of good coaches it's, come out of it it's yeah. a survival of the fittest like <laughs> yeah. if you're the best coach in the mac you're winning the mac um you know matt it's not like i don't know how good toledo was when matt campbell went there nor do i know how good bowling green was when dino babers went there but i know bowling green went to crap when D- dino babers left um and so when like, urban meyer went there they were well, pretty I was good just gonna exactly. say, i was gonna say <laughs> yeah, urban meyer fortunately urban yeah, meyer for yeah. his own sake yeah didn't look at it that way, but he, but you know, Urban Meyer is a Hall of Fame coach, so it didn't matter what program he yeah. went into, he was going to, to be successful. I, the other thing I thought was interesting was Elston admitting that it, took, it sort of took him about four years to figure out, like, essentially how to sell Notre Dame or how to recruit to Notre Dame or what fits, what doesn't. Brian um, Kelly too, right? Brian Kelly, it's a you know, five or six years. Yeah, um, it's taken them both of. But a while. I think they're finally there because it's it certainly you look at their. The defensive line recruiting since Elston's been here. I mean, you had the Lynch to it, Eshaq Williams, you know, Troy Nicholas. You could throw in that group too. It was then. Yeah. I mean, that was incredible. But then you have like the Tiasum Do Treadway Elijah Taylor, where like we're also gonna, incredible. We're, in a we're gonna way. we're gonna yeah. gift you Jerry Tillery right before signing day because like we don't have any deep, like Pete Makwo was the year before that. Um, it's really been all over the place. Who is the defensive until now? Yeah, well, maybe that's something to do with it. But I just, they had some they had some weird takes uh, weird at that takes. position, and I think the last the last two you go two and a half years, meaning like adding Rubio into the next cycle, it's just been consistently very very good in a way that it 
it was just sort of all over the map. Uh, and now I think it's just like in a very healthy, yeah. good place. In talking to Elston, I mean, there's a just, you know, the conversation, the, the confidence that he has in knowing who he needs to pursue now, not only who he can get, but who will respond to him. And I think a lot of this is what, you know, I mean, that's the they unique want part that, for me. Right, they, that want, they want that. They want to get these guys on campus so they have an opportunity to um, to to relate to them. So uh, if you haven't had an opportunity to see the the Elson stories, it, I think the second one um, was revealing it as far as you know how what his approach was, and then the first one was just you know his comfort zone with Brian Kelly. It said a lot about. It was a very complimentary story of Brian Kelly too about the way that he leads, and Elson was appreciative of the fact that hey, I can do my job. If I'm not doing my job, we can sit down and hash it out. And sometimes it, it can, you know, crap that, sandwich. Yeah, crap sandwich. You know, sometimes I have to take the crap sandwich. And but he always has felt like he can work that out. They can they can yell at each other. He didn't say that, but I mean they can yell at each other. But when they walk out of the room, okay, they're good. They clear the air. They they know where each one's coming from, and and that's all that really matters. Darnell Yule apparently is done playing football in Notre Dame. Done playing football. It sounds like. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, well, I'm med- staying in Notre Dame right. to get his degree. Yeah. Medical retirement. Um, you know, Eric Hansen got this from Brian Kelly, I think, last last week. Um, but happy 85 Scholarship Day, everyone. It's, you can stop asking. Everybody's wondering. It's like message boards. There's just tumbleweed around message boards everywhere now because that question has been taken off the table. Um, There's a new and, question. And, Agoro, Agoro 85. As we, as we have been saying forever and will stay forever, they will always be at 85 and it will be no problem. And they're there. I don't know. It's been... Well, I w- it's been harder this year, obviously. It's still June seventeenth. <laughs> <Yeah, it's been laughs> no doubt, no doubt if, about if it. If this was like late July, it'd be yeah. like, oh, God, this is, ooh, I wonder if they miscalculated on yeah. this one. But nope, it's mid June. They're at eighty five. They're totally fine. Um, it, you know, Yule is. It's a free scholarship for next year as well. Um, right. You know, it, it, it's oh, a, that's sort a good of, point. It's like yeah. a two year gap yeah. in some ways, and it was somebody that. Uh, I think we're all shocked because we liked him coming out of high school. Um, but from the second he showed up at Notre Dame, was that was literally five seconds later is when you started hearing like, "Ooh, um, we were standing, struggling with the workouts." We're standing yeah. on top of the bleachers yes. at Culver Academies, right? I mean, I had, like I, I remember talking to somebody on staff in early July, a month before training camp started, and the feedback I got was like. Why was Darnell Ewell ranked a four-star prospect? <laughs> because like, he looks so good. Yeah, and but no. he just, just was really struggling from the get-go, and that that struggle just sort of never never stopped. He had some, you know, obviously some health issues as well. Um, was it like knee and shoulder? Or? Yeah, and that adds up when you're bigger, and yeah, it's just he but had distract. I mean, like, he, the he had, dude, the dude was. I mean, let's just be honest and fair here. Number one, I'm happy for him because. I don't think that he has the burden of having to be the player that he was projected to be. Totally agree with you because also the dumbest thing you can do when you can't when you move from offensive scout team to defensive scout team to just put you somewhere scout team is think I can go somewhere else and start and play football. <laughs> now he can have a Notre Dame degree. And it didn't work out in football. That's fine. Right. And I, I mean just you know, you you've got to be look, you've got to be so incredibly committed to the cause. Um, to play at this level and to play that sport at this level, and, and he just wasn't. And I guess he had made strides, just talking to some of the coaches in the spring, he had kind of made strides but then was injured 
again. Like he'd got yeah. a groin injury. Like he looked he looked better than he had at previous times. Sure. Is all they said. I agree. And, you know, he he couldn't be out there last one year ago. He could not be out. He made on a the play field. in the blue goal game yeah. that we never thought we never. would see him. Make. Right, right. So he was he was to be fair to him, he was making strides. But sometimes those injuries yeah. add up, and and if it's not only yeah. injuries for him. Well, good for him. I mean, yeah. it's truly a situation. Good for him. Good for Notre Dame. So we move on. Segment two, burning up the boards, coming up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Burning up the board, segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider starts with a question from M. Melham. It seems like recruiting is in an overall great spot. Is Notre Dame in a golden era of recruiting that hasn't happened since the early 90s with Lou Holtz? As long as you don't compare it to that era, I think it's in a great yeah, I think recruiting it's, spot. Yeah, it's, 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 it's in good shape. I also think they're like sort of team rankings, if you that's how you're going to judge it, are probably not going to be that dissimilar than they have been for the last 10 years. I mean, they've had a, a couple off years, right? But they're you know this this class is probably going to be I don't know nine, ten, eleven. It's the highest since thirteen. Your favorite class, yeah, right? It's but it's not going to be thirteen. Um, well, it's Jalen. But I mean, they've had some other classes that have been nine, ten, eleven, um, and I think this class will just be another one. Now, I do think like once you get down to more of a micro level, I like the players a lot more in this class than some previous classes. But we'll see where it goes from there. I like where they are with the positions, too. Like we said, now uh, there's – and I, I mentioned uh, Quinn Carroll will be the only tackle. Chris will fix a tackle. Right. I misspoke. But um, I, I like the fact that offensive tackles and defensive edge players that are not total reaches are coming in. Because now when they have reaches, like Ovio Gofu, who's a developmental player who I now love and never would have considered being a guy I was mm-hmm. going to love – you also have so much high-level talent coming in at important positions. Now, cornerback is the one that is a truly important modern position that has to be better. But defensive tackle, offensive tackle, pass rusher, and quarterback, then probably if they, corner. If they get Jalen McMillan to go mm-hmm. with Jordan Johnson and Chris Tyree, then, yeah, I, I, I would say, like, yeah, that's kind of a different level yeah. of skill position talent, and that, that would be a difference. I think that on the lines, they're, they're in a good way. Offensive line, they've almost always been good. Defensive line, they haven't been this sort of disciplined. I think in who they've been going after with you know, Rubio, Mills, guys who are six foot four and up. Yeah, um, that's good. Foskey, that those kinds of players. That's that's very good. But if you can get the offensive skill position to go with that, then then you're somewhere else. The last thing that I concern myself is where they rank nationally. I, I can't even I can't tell you where they've ranked in in recent years. But we'll, to, they're to number your, five on twenty four seven right now. To your twenty twenty class. To your guys' <laughs> point, it's. I, you know, just looking at the recruits, the guys that are getting, are these, are, are, is this a better caliber of football player than what they've, you know, typically brought in? And and, and I would say yes. Um, so, you I know, also and, believe and, the and positions he, are important because sometimes highly ranked, like for instance, when your two best players were Komet and Wright, I like Komet and Wright, but Notre Dame is going to have good tight ends over the course yeah. of, I want the two best players to yeah, be that's a good point. defensive, defensive ends, ends yeah. and, and offensive tackles or running backs. Yeah. 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 Tackles, yeah. At Murphy's underscore law, what kind of impact do you expect Braden Lindsay? I'm kind of mixed up, by the way. I mixed up recruiting questions with other questions yes, just so good. that we didn't get. Uh, what kind of impact do you expect Braden Lindsay to make this year? Over, under, three touchdown receptions. Mm. Um, I'll go under on that one. 
I'm going under because there's only so many things to go around. Like I think Braden, Braden Lindsay could come in and he could be the f- let's let's leave the fourth receiver spot open to all everybody else. Michael Young at number three, and the fourth receiver spot could be any of those guys, including Austin, including Tommy Tremble, including Jafar Armstrong in terms of catching passes. It could be Brock Wright. It could be Brock Wright. So in other words, there's just not enough to go around because Chase Claypool, Jafar Armstrong are going to get theirs. Cole Komet and Chris Fink at the next level are going to get theirs. Michael Young is probably going to get gonna some get of his. You Young's going to get a huge bump. Komet's going to get a huge bump. I look at Braden Lindsay and I know he made progress in the spring, and that that was he absolutely had to do that, and he did. But you still in that class. You still have Kevin Austin. You still have Lawrence Keys the third. I like Joe Wilkins a yeah. lot. I mean, I think Braden Lindsay has to prove. That when he's healthy and Joe Wilkins is healthy, that he's a better receiver than Wilkins. Well, I think that Lindsey's skill set is more like when you're from the 40-yard line and out. I don't think you're going to put Braden Lindsey in, in the red zone. Um, if he gets four touchdowns, Notre Dame has a supremely improved yeah. offense this yeah. year yeah. because that is if a real he, if, hit. If he has four touchdowns, they probably will average yeah. 35 yards yeah. per touchdown. I guess what I would say about Braden Lindsey is keep in mind he preserved a year of eligibility, and so... I don't think it's going to take a huge jump this year, but you'll have three years after this year, and some attrition takes place then. And I would say, twenty twenty is probably when when Braden Lindsay well, really starts like to break math through. Math percent, Ian Book, thirty touchdown passes this year. Right. This okay. math is part. Math is half, part of this. Half of them are to Claypool and Fink, like automatically. That only leaves fifteen touchdowns. Komet probably has four. And then you're down to, like, a bunch of guys who have two and one. Yeah, you could ask this question about Joe Armstrong Wilkins. probably has five. Sure he does. Joe Wilkins could have been asked. Kevin Austin could have been asked. And Lawrence Keyes could have been asked. And we'd have said under three touchdowns. So it's not, we're not right. anti-Braden Lindsay. I would, I would hesitate about fake because he's a slot receiver. And a lot of times slot receivers have difficulty scoring or being targeted down mm-hmm. there. I would. I, I think Michael Young will have more touchdowns than Chris Fink. But your we point. Bet. Your point is, yeah. Oh, I'm getting involved. <laughs> yes, I'm yeah. involved this year. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> uh, but your, I think your point's taken. Claypool's going to take a huge jump. I, I think Komet's going to take a huge jump. Then I would say Michael Young, and then after that, we'll see how it's divvied up. I think if I see uh, Chris Fink run by another player, he better not be on Notre Dame's team like he was all <laughs> yeah, spring because yeah. that was getting old, but there's going to be. At Steve Campy, at this point, it is pretty much a lock that Lathan Ransom and A.J. Henning are a package deal? Question mark. Is it pretty much? What are the odds to land them after such a big weekend? Uh, it's not a lock, for sure. <laughs> I don't I think mean, it's like, if you're If you're basing like the reality of your world based on what recruits are tweeting about, like, I, I can't help you. Um, or anyone's tweeting about. Yeah, so, I mean, Lathan Ransom... Based on talking to people over the weekend, I think Notre Dame is in a much better position than I think you would think. Um, the dad has sort of come around to being on board with Notre Dame. The mom is definitely on board with Notre Dame. Ultimately, you need the kid to also be on board with Notre Dame. Um, it's it's a weird recruitment because if you're down to Texas, LSU, Ohio State, yeah. and um, shoot, I'm blanking on this fourth one, but it... It's not Stanford or Duke. It's a school that's also not like Notre Dame. Um, Notre Dame is a bit of an outlier there in the Final Five. So I I guess I'm skeptical that they will end up with him. Um, Henning, I'm just not really sure. Um, I don't think any any anybody who professes like an extreme amount of confidence in where A.J. Henning is going, I, I just I don't buy it. I think A.J. Henning like, likes the idea of no one knows what okay, he's doing. Okay, so percentage on, and I'll start first here. I, I don't think Notre Dame's getting either one. And I've said I've said on a podcast the most likely scenario. Yeah, I've said on the podcast I've never thought Nording was going to get AJ Henning. I realize that 
quote, recruiting momentum may have shifted with both of those guys, I'll still say they're not getting either one of them. I don't disagree with you. You I don't, I don't, dis- I don't disagree. I, well, I, no. You know, Ransom to me is the way more important of those two to the program. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no question about that. I think Lorraine would probably tell you that, too. Okay. <laughs> That's one of the reasons why I'm saying it. Yeah. At Brian Swint, <laughs> if the apparent roster move involving Darnell Yule is true, do you expect any additional roster subtractions before fall camp? Sure. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Does count? You're just like, just why not? Yes. Same thing I, I say every year at this yeah. time. Right, but spit nets haven't happened know, yet. I, There's I mean, stuff going on still. I hesitate to throw out names about. I'm not throwing out a name. No, I'm I know you there's going to be a subtraction. I'm telling <laughs> yeah. you, I, I, in in response to the question, I hesitate to say because I think that's what's wanted here. Yes, da da da. This guy, who? this guy, and this guy are one, two, and three as to who might leave. I I don't. You know, I, Dylan Gibbons is never going to play at Notre Dame, right? Does he want to leave? Does he want to play football? Or at this stage, heading into his junior year, he wants to get his degree from Notre Dame. Well, I mean, he's not healthy, so it's not. And, and you know, yeah, I mean, that in addition. He was on a scooter at the camp on Saturday. So, it's. I mean, I'll tell you who it's not. It's not going to be Javon McKinley. It's I, not going to be Javon he'll McKinley. He'll be here in the fall, and he'll play. Of all the guys that were before his arrest, of all the guys that were likely to leave, you would put Javon McKinley in the in the top five <laughs> with, from the outside. Then he got arrested and was dismissed from the team, and or then suspended. Suspended from the teams, yeah, exactly. Suspended and brought back into the fold. Do you know how easy it is to kick Javon McKinley off a team when you've already suspended him for an arrest and you have eighty-seven players? Not when you don't know whether you're going to have Kevin Austin right, in the first the, two to four games. They, they didn't do it. I know. That means they want him back. He yeah. is he is one of the few guys you could look at from our handful back in January yeah. where you're like, well, they obviously want him. It couldn't be more clear that they want Javon McKinley se- on the team. Certainly, there could be one or two more players that yes. will not. That well, there's medical concerns with Trevor right. Ruland. There's well, Gibbons is a good example. Yeah. I mean, I there are plenty. Of, like if you're a, a older player who is not is repping behind a younger player. Maybe you're a younger player and like, ooh, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Like if you're a freshman, I mean, like that that happens. Yeah, there's yeah, and you can you know now that you're at 85, you can keep Trevor Ruland. Right for but, this year, unless he just can't do it. I mean, the, his his would never be. I don't. I don't if Rulon could play at any level, I think Brian Kelly would hesitate to put him on medical because he can help you in a snap, an important snap in Georgia. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to do anything but, else. But, he but can, that's looking right, but, fairly unlikely. I agree, but I hope you know just for his sake and for yeah, um, yeah. A, a subtraction when you're a junior and a freshman comes in and he's really good at your position and there's already four guys in front of you, you yeah. might decide that might be mm-hmm. time to go. Right. Right. At CJ Next to Gal, which of these three commitments for the past weekend surprised you? Which of the three commitments from this past weekend surprised you the most? Which of the three are you most excited about, or has the greatest upside? I wasn't. I wasn't surprised by any. Look, because yeah, people tell when, us when, when, a, when, a, when an announcement is made and one of my film reviews is attached to it, I didn't suddenly throw it together. Um, I think maybe the maybe the spirit of the question is more like if. Before you knew. <laughs> a week ago. <laughs> yeah. If on the last podcast two weeks ago, if you said like these three players are gonna commit, who's okay. the most surprising? Right. I would have said Blake Fisher. I would, would I would agree surprising. with Rubio's that. the least surprising from a week ago. Yeah. So Blake Fisher's the most surprising. Ruby here's yeah. how unsurprising <laughs> Rubio was when I looked him up two weeks ago, he was already following me on Twitter before I could follow him. Like, <laughs> like oh I was okay, you you must really like Notre Dame. All right, so which has which of the three has the most upside among uh, uh Fisher Rubio, Rubio, Rubio and Carmody. Also Fisher, because uh, he's huge and pretty light on his feet. Um, so, yeah, I, w- I would, Blake Fisher is pretty intriguing 
long-term project for Notre Dame. I am Bo. Uh, I have trouble with. Well, you know what? Most upside, I guess, to say the word that gets you beat is Fisher. Um, I'm not sure I would say Fisher will be a better player than Rubio, but upside is hard not to say Fisher. Pete makes a good point. I mean, like oh, I the, no, the I feet, the, the I, frame. No, I totally agree of, with that. Yeah. I think, yes, his upside That's high. a different question than who will be a better player. We don't know that. Uh, for another I year. think Rubio's the best player right mm-hmm. now. But as you said, Fisher's more of a lump of clay that they're more Oh, no, doubt. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. No doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Upside, you know, gets you beat, Pete. That's mm-hmm. all we need to know. At WG Pennington, is Mike Elston positioning himself to take over for Kelly in a few years? Well, if he is, he should probably adjust his mindset because I, I'm not sure he, the possibility. He, he, he needed to take the bowling green. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let me, st- let me, up too. Let me start by saying as long as Jack Swarbrick is vice president slash director of athletics, he's not going to hire a, a guy that has not no not only has a, no head coaching experience, he hasn't been a he was a co-defensive coordinator in 2005. Uh, and no. 2016, <laughs> which should go in everyone's resume. Yeah. <laughs> hey, actually, that was impressive. He saved his There's no a, doubt a about it. He, he made them it. fundamentally yeah. sound and again got no Once again, right. another example Still. where Mike Elston got no credit cuz Greg Hudson came in and was named defensive coordinator. Um no, I don't think Mike Elston who I respect and think is a really good coach is going to follow Brian Kelly as a head coach at Notre Dame. I think he's positioning himself to coach elsewhere. When Brian Kelly leaves after a few years, as yeah. Brian Kelly told you, Pete, last he, year, right? Right. He said he said Elston is by far the most qualified head coaching candidate that I've ever worked with, including, like, he didn't name Jeff Quinn and all and Chuck Martin and Bob Diaco, but like the implication was like, duh, that because he's ever, this is most qualified ever guy I've worked with. So I, I think that ultimately he'll be. Either be a head coach somewhere when Brian Kelly leaves, or he'll be a coordinator somewhere else. And look, so when whoever hire replaces Brian Kelly will actually need to have a staff here. Um, so maybe he'll just stay. Maybe he will be the associate head coach for Matt Campbell, for example, in twenty who's twenty four. Who probably also is very easy to coach for. I would yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Think about. Think about what it's interesting you say that, you know, what Brian Kelly said about Mike Elson last year and, you know, most qualified. Think about the assistant coaches that have become head coaches in Notre Dame while Mike Elson has been there. Charlie Molnar. Okay. Mike Sanford, who was a was a, a, a complete that was a complete fail at Western Kentucky. But Brian, still better than Charlie Molnar. Yes. Brian Polian, again, a guy with no, you know, coordinator experience beyond Special teams, and here's Mike Elston, you know, still sitting as defensive line coach. And Martin, uh, well, he had been a, he had been a head a coach, coach yeah, you know. So true. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't put him quite in that same category. I did look. <clears throat> Mike Elston has done a great job here, and he's making he's well compensated. Yes. Put it that way. So if you're not if you don't have the title of being a head coach, but you're making in the high six figures, great. I mean, that's he's. He's got a good thing going here. Um, I don't think that he's going to be in a hurry to, like, because Chuck Martin took a pay cut to leave Notre Dame. I'm not sure if Mike Elson feels compelled to do that. No, and and we don't. I mean, Logic. I'm not sitting here saying that Mike Elson's a great head coaching prospect. I I don't know that. It could be good. Yeah, you need to be a head coach somewhere else to know. Yeah. At Mason Plummer six, no relation to Mason Plumley. I don't think. Do you think Notre Dame is done recruiting off his alignment for now? If Andrew Gentry wants in, does the staff take him? I think that they pretty much are done. Like. 
I think the way I described it on Twitter was like they're likely done at offensive line right now. They needed to get two true offensive tackles, and now they have it with Baker and Carmody. If there's a spot available and there's a, like, hey, there's a guard we really like or a tweener we really like, I, maybe they'll take them. But the timing of that would have to be right because they cannot afford to, well, do we, need, do we want to take a corner or a guard? Or another safety or a yep. guard or another corner or a guard. Or another corner. Yeah. I mean, they they need to put those scholarships in the defensive backfield. Yep. In addition, they still want a couple more receivers at least. They'd like flexibility to take a third, I mean, four receivers total. Um, Reese Atterbury is probably unlikely at this point. Uh, is unlike you know I the the question I Andrew Gentry is going to go on a mission so I don't know where he would be counted. Would he count with this class? Would he count when he he would not be on scholarship? Would, right. So that because Chris Badger wasn't just for right for exactly. Of, so he I'm might, not he, he might count I, against the twenty five man limit, which they're not, which is irrelevant for Notre Dame in this. this now. Sequel. I love I love Andrew Gentry's game, uh, and, and again, not at expense of a corner or a safety, but I think he's a really good. That would be a really good football player to turn down. I would hesitate to turn down a football player of that caliber. At Irish underscore nineteen eighty, does Notre Dame need to move on from Todd Light in order to recruit more elite cornerback talent? We read he is great at forming relationships with prospects, but it seems he can't close the deal. I, I don't. I that last sentence I think is. If you're great at forming relationships, you should be able to close. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I just don't. I don't recruiting has not been a strength of his since he's been here. I mean, I think Notre Dame, Notre Dame is aware and accepting of the fact that signing the the five star corner is probably not going to happen. Um, they're all going to go to LSU or Alabama. Um, <clears throat> so that's part. That's part of the issue. But um, are they going to move on from Todd Light? I, I guess I would doubt it. I would be I would be pretty surprised if they made that move from a consensus All American first round pick Super Bowl champion who went to where you play, but it's, whose team went twelve and I went had a good I secondary. Think, we but, talked about that. I mean, look, it's, I mean, it's Terry Joseph yeah. was promoted in this off season. He's now the pass game defensive coordinator, um, which basically means he runs the secondary. Um, that Todd Light is an assistant under Terry Joseph now. Um, so that's that's something. I mean, that that's not something that I think people should be like. Well, I, that, that's just a title. No, that there's some intention behind that. I think it's. I think Notre Dame has a bit of a problem with former. You know, Autry Denson was not a good recruiter. Todd Light's not a good recruiter. I think there's a problem there where you, if you feel like you have to keep these guys because they're former Notre Dame stars, I, I just think that that's a problem. In a perfect world, you would love for. Three former great Nordian players to be your best coaches and your best recruiters, but that's not what has mm-hmm. happened. So I think it's a bit of a problem if you feel like your hands are tied when it comes to, you know, keeping or cutting ties with a guy like that. Just on the devil's advocate side, under light, when we talk about just coaching corners, Troy Pride has improved under Todd Light. <laughs> Jul- I mean, you got to give him credit for Julian bit. Love, too. Yeah, I mean, at least to some extent. Yeah, you have to because Julie Love didn't come in as a five star that couldn't. Miss. If you're going to blame, you got to credit. I, right, that, that's in how any I, in any aspect of that. So that's you know I, I think uh, the have to move on thing. No, he probably has to recruit better though. <laughs> Would that just be fair to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but, <laughs> no, you, I mean, it's, can... but it's 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 not happening. And I just the the last thing I want to say about the corners, if Notre Dame gets Clarence Lewis, Caleb Offord, and Landon Bartleson. I really like those three athletes. I think those are three really good athletes 
two of which are accomplished corners. We don't know about Bartleson yet, but I mean, athletically, he has everything that he needs. I think you can get really, really quality production out of those three guys. You don't want to go that route all the time. You'd rather be attracting the four and fives and have a little bit more of a finished product. But I think, I mean, I think offered is is the best of those three at corner. I don't know that they're going to get him, but they've got a shot. Statman72, committing to Notre Dame more than a year in advance of the signing date suggests the player is very comfortable in his choice and that Notre Dame is very competent in its evaluation of the player. Is there any link between how early a player commits and how well he ultimately performs? Do early commits tend to perform better than average? Maybe for this we throw out the last-minute ditch efforts because those are, although they do work out on occasion, usually that's yeah, yeah, I think yeah. We're talking more about like the guy, basically <clears throat> the first commit in a class, how did he perform? Uh, I think Jerry Tiller was the first commit in his class. That worked out okay. <laughs> Elmer uh, was the first commit in Elmer, his class. Elmer, that was the next yep. guy I was going to yep. go to. Um, but I, I think there are some that... Was Dylan uh, Gibbons the first commitment? Dylan Gibbons was. Was, was uh, Jerkovic was. Was Matuska first commit? Um, I don't know why that sticks in my head because it shouldn't have I, anything to do with it in my it life. Was, it was early. I mean, I, I, we okay, obviously, Statman72, we didn't research this the completely. Goliks. The Golics were both the first <clears throat> commit in their class, I believe. You know who it works Mike, out in early Mike for Notre Dame? Jr. worked out. He was yeah. the starting offensive guard on a national championship runner-up. You know what else works out well for Notre Dame? It's semi-related to this. Flips. When they flip a guy. There's a lot of guys uh, that flip that work yeah, out well. Yeah. But, I mean, to get to the... To get to the question, I, I think generally speaking, the better players wait, right? I mean, generally speaking, Jerry Tillery, that's a that's the that's high a, level that's a complete outlier. Elmer was yeah. an extreme high level recruit yeah. at the time too. I mean, that, no one didn't want. He was I, a five star recruit. I don't think that generally they do anymore. I mean, I think that if you let's just pull up the uh, the the player rankings on twenty four seven. I mean, it's. It's like half. I mean, it's, it's probably more than half now. I've already, yeah, it's definitely, if you look at the top 50, it's more than half have already committed. Um, Do you think that early signing date does anything there? Probably yeah. it does. Because um, by the time early signing day comes around, then you're more like at 80, 85%. Yeah. Um, they're very, yes. Not, not, not a lot of guys are waiting anymore. So, um I don't know. It's you, I don't I do know. Think, I, don't, I think it has changed a little yeah. bit. Whereas twenty years ago, I would have said, I mean, just off the top of my head, mm-hmm. twenty years ago, I would have said no. Those guys that are committing early, uh, there was a defensive lineman way back. I don't. I, I need to single a guy out. Mike Kellen, I believe, was his name. Uh, Mark Nigro might have been an early verbal commitment. Um, so these are examples that guys that didn't pan out because I have no idea who you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, you know, no, it's true, and I, I don't, I don't mean to disparage yeah. them, but I mean I remember them being, if not the first commitment, early commitments. And I also remember at the time thinking, eh, I don't know if that guy's going to be a difference maker for Notre Dame, and they weren't. And if you guys are listening, I apologize, and it's good, good. I thank, <laughs> thank you for listening. Uh, CMU Pens fan, which of these two post 2016 hires? has meant the most in our name, Chip Long or Mike Elko, which includes the bringing in of Clark Lee to campus. The defense has been revamped totally, but I don't think Chip Long would throw the ball 40 times in a hurricane either. Uh, I neither would Mike Denbrock, as we know now. Yes, I would go with Elko. I mean, this is like, there, there are two assistants that came. Long was just, I guess, if you gave me Long and Della Alexander, because they did come together. They did, yeah. Uh, versus Elko and Lee, I would go Elko and Lee. Well, 
I, defense is more important. It's not like Notre Dame's offenses were abysmal, whereas right. when Elko and Lee came in, Notre Dame's defense was abysmal. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, the bigger change is the defense. They went to a playoff-level defense. They had a playoff-level defense when they didn't make the playoffs in the first year. It was fringe <laughs> playoff-level defense, right? Yeah. Right oh, yeah. Yeah, they were right there. It's, yeah, no they doubt. lit up once, that's it. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest change, so I think that's meant the most. It's it's obviously harder to play consistently good playoff-level defense. In yeah, game. and the game has changed where you're, you're Oklahoma and you can be lousy on defense and make the playoffs. I get that. But still, I'd rate, if you're giving me a starting point, I'm going to— All I you want, need is a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Just that Second simple. One, year after year. Yeah. <laughs> Every single time, pull them out of there. I mean, long— like, look, the key to this is that they're both there. It's kind of like who's a better yeah, recruit to have. Both of them. Right. I don't like to. I don't <laughs> like to. You know, pick either or. They're they're both of them, or all three of them, are why they went to the playoffs last year. Who was better, Lynch or Tuit, or were they both better together? That was the answer. Yeah, it's yeah. always good to have two. You can throw Matt Bayless in here if you really want. Oh, you know, to, like, you really hijack this conversation. I yeah, I think any time we talk about post two thousand sixteen, Bayless has to be among the second or third topics yeah, of yeah. conversation brought in. Dean twenty one one six one. Do you think Brian Kelly is serious about his desire for Notre Dame to extend his contract another three years? Are his people in discussions with Jack Swarbrick to do just that? And how much does or would that impact recruiting? Because it always comes back to recruiting. I don't think it impacts recruiting really at all. Um, how serious is he? I don't know. How serious would you be about making six point five million dollars <laughs> for an est- extra three estimated years. for an extra three years? I would be quite serious about that. And it's like, look, the job. I don't know how many times I've said this on podcasts, alumni events, written it, mailbags, screaming out my front door. Like, the job has never been better for Brian Kelly than it is right now. They have a new indoor facility opening. Recruiting is in a really good shape. Young, energetic staff, good recruiters, you know, bright, innovative, schematic. I Everything is really good right now. Um, and I think he is as comfortable at Notre Dame as he has ever, ever been in like there, there's no reason he would not want to continue that. He's I, figured he's figured it out. Yes, yeah, yes. And I, you know, having having experienced um, an awful season after a great season in, in in coaching, you need that to happen to you sometimes, or something. It doesn't necessarily have to be that, but sometimes you need a cold slap in the face to be better. And he's a better head coach because of 2016. I was driving on Miami Road. I thought I heard someone screaming. That was, that, was, that was you, you talking about Brian Kelly. The job's <laughs> ever better than it is right now. So I have to go. Hey, Molly. <laughs> total, total tangent. Yeah. I was leaving uh, my father-in-law's house yesterday, after Father's Day. Guy pulls in, one of their neighbors, you know, sees me. How do you think Notre Dame's going to be this year? And it's, oh, I think we'll be pretty good and everything. Lots of good players. And he goes, it's kind of a, since we diverged into NBA, he is a sports fan. As it keeps mm-hmm. going, he's like, I think they got to get a new coach. I just thought to myself, "What?" what? I just thought to myself. Of course, I don't. I don't ever answer. He was actually asking you about Notre Dame baseball. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You, you know me. I don't ever respond to. Are you uh, giving me a I think segue? A new coach, but <laughs> yeah, I'll do a write-in question if you want me to. You want that segue well, I, from Tim O'Malley, yeah. twenty-four. Okay, um, Tim Priester. What have you heard about the baseball coaching search? That Pat Murphy has inquired about returning to Notre Dame. Not an answer I would have expected. I did not written him. Yeah. Um, it'll be in Thursday thoughts, but uh, as I believe that to be, uh, I believe that to be true. Now, I don't know. I, in fact, somebody addressed this on the message board. It's like, well, why, if it, if Murphy wants to come back, he automatically comes back. I'm like, the price tag might come into play. You can't just say, oh, Notre Dame's got the money, so whatever Murphy wants, you open up the bank and, and bring him back. But and I don't know. 
him and I have actually communicated fairly fairly recently. Um, uh, Dan Peltier, a great former Nordian baseball coach, had inquired about on the message it's board the message about board being the hitting coach, and I said, "Why? Well, I, I already called dibs, but considering <laughs> considering the way you raked and the way I hit." I'm gonna accede. I'm gonna concede the job to you. You can sabotage him by in. saying you will put his name in and just never do it. I talked to Swarbrick about it yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yes. Now there there is a there is a um, there is a, a young coach by the name of Jordan Bischel for anybody that cares for the three of you that care that's at Central Michigan that won 44 games, went to the NCAA tournament, beat Miami in the first game of the NCAA tournament, ending up losing to Miami to get eliminated. But there's another good young coach out there. Some other names of guys that have. You know the guy. The guy at Coastal Carolina wanted the job at one time. He didn't get it. Mick Aoki got the job, mm-hmm. so all he did was go on and win the College World Series in 2016. <laughs> so I'm not sure that he wants the job anymore or not. Uh, last question at 24 L Houston. What is Nordame's greatest weakness heading into the season? Mm, I mean, so I had to write this sort of state of the program piece for the Athletic on like you know it's basically your Lindy's Athlon preview everything and for. For me, it's like if you're looking at Notre Dame as 10 wins would be a good season, then the biggest weaknesses are, you know, linebacker, kicking game. If you're looking at Notre Dame as like if they don't go to the playoff, it's a disappointment, then the biggest weaknesses are at Georgia, at Michigan. Um, so, I mean, I sort of view Notre Dame as like a double-digit win season would be good. Um, and so because the schedule definitely has some, like, hurdles that I – just don't think they're going to be good enough to clear. Um, so then, you know, you look at the roster itself, it's it's linebackers and, and the kicking game. I, I think the, those are by far, to me at least, the, the biggest weaknesses. I agree, and I think theoretically, now people right now, and, and we believe some of these linebackers are going to be very good, but right now it's theoretical, and theoretical is going to be an issue if, it's, if it hasn't developed by the time they're in Athens, right? Yeah, I like Jack Lamb a lot. You like Jack Lamb a lot. We I like Shane Simon a lot. We like these guys. It's all theoretical. No one can say, "Oh, they're these guys." This, these no, Wusu Koromo made huge strides right. by the, the the last half of but the spring. We still need to see them get out there and I, play football against real teams. I, I laugh when I laugh when people say they've got a bunch of good young linebackers. They'll be okay. Eventually, they will. Eventually, be sure. <laughs> they'll be okay. But we're talking about the, le- the we're talking about the level of Drew Tranquil and, and Tavon Coney. I mean, those are. Those are great. Those were great college linebackers, and Notre Dame doesn't have a linebacker that's ready to be great. This is like saying after 2015, well, they they lost Sheldon Day, but I mean they have some. Look at all these Dalen Hayes, Julian Aquara, Khalil Kareem. <laughs> like they've got some great young defensive right. linemen. They'll be right. fine in 2016. And they, and they, and they, they were well, they were correct that they had some great young right. defensive linemen. But that's still, that's the, not the whole thing. But they were gonna. They were needed years to yes. become great, and I think the linebackers are probably going to be in the same yeah. boat. I will say the kicking game, though, is the greatest weakness. I agree with if that. If you're looking to contend for the playoffs, because, boy, the kicking game is going to have to show up eight of the games. Yeah, and, well... Uh, not not to win a game. I'm saying you can't go to Georgia and miss kicks and shank punts. You can't do that in Michigan. You can't do it at Stanford. You probably can't do it against USC. You might not be able to do it against Virginia or Virginia Tech. And, like, that, you're driving down the field, and you get nothing. Or worse, I mean the consistency. Your own, yeah, it's the it's, consistency of Justin Yoon was completely taken for granted. He had him for four years, and I and and I, I still hear people like they were. They, it was maddening with with Tyler Newsom, far and away the second best punter in the history of the program, and it's not close for third place. It's also not close for first place, but that's okay. He's it's not even close uh, uh, statistically. Tyler Newsom is easily the second best punter in the history of the program. Yeah, and those are 
I mean, I, I, I so you must have hated every punter. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I yeah, the the kicker is more important because that's the difference between three points or no points at that particular moment. Right. I get that, but man, in terms of field position and consistency and. Uh, you know, uh, the amount of yardage allowed on punt returns, Tyler Newsom is, I mean, Yoon's one and Newsom's 1A. That's how important that they were to this program. Okay, we are going to, uh, man, I don't think we even really plan the next. Probably two weeks, right? Uh, today yeah. is the 17th. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, June, that would be July 1st. Yeah, I think that'll be can... the Agoro 84 podcast. Be good. <laughs> Tim, uh, Tim O'Malley. Pushing for Goro to get a scholarship. Come on, man! For the twenty, he deserves it. I mean, no, I mean, think about walk-ons years, that have been given scholarships. He he's been good. And it's and not the think level where we we're just like no, no, absurd. No, no, no but he's put, he's put himself in position to to possibly contribute and definitely to to earn a scholarship. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two two weeks. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.